Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOSB, you'll be all set for when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams and all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOSB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio on one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're a holiday powerhouse. You host the dinners, shovel neighbors, sidewalks, and make everything from scratch. You definitely don't need help making the holidays happen. But Dunkin's Holiday Blend Coffee? A warming medium roast complete with sweet notes of dried fruit and molasses. Or a cranberry orange muffin made with real cranberries just might convince you a little help never hurt. Especially the hot caffeinated kind. America runs on Duncan. Present participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. This is the captain. Brace for impact. Hello, hello, hello. Davey Portman here from Up Next, postwrestling.com, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts. And this, my friends, is Deep Impact. Yes, this is our Tuesday night show where we talk all about this week's Impact Wrestling. And we are live. Yes, that is true. We are live. Twitch.tv forward slash up next podcast hello to everyone in the twitch room and hello to my co-host tonight no it is not andrew thompson it's not Braden harrington it is the one the only john Ceno evil john how are you today what's up everybody is this the hot new commodity deep impact that everybody is talking about the talk of the town it is it is the talk of the town what's there to do on tuesdays people always ask well you can hang out with your boys at up next uh yeah uh how have you been john i've been pretty good um we got hit pretty bad here with a snowstorm almost two feet of snow here in new york so um my son's been school been home from school for the past couple days so i've been spending some time with him and uh what better way to cap it off than watch impact and not aw dark on a tuesday night so that was pretty good uh pretty good transition there yeah, so uh, for those listening that maybe don't know you, you present a show called Shot in the Dark, which uh, started off as like a free show on our Patreon, but uh, it's so good. I know it's Wei Ting's favorite. Uh, it's, it, you kind of cover all of wrestling that isn't maybe in kind of the mainstream or kind of covered by like post-wrestling and up next. You kind of fill in the gaps. So we have everything covered. So you you tend to talk about MLW, ROH, um, AEW Dark, um, 205 Live, Main Event, all of them. 
Um, and yeah, you'll be dropping another episode tomorrow and still have to watch what, like a four hour episode of Dark, is it? Yeah, I have to watch Dark. Uh, it's only two hours this week. Um, good news is it's only 13 matches opposed to the usual of 18, but at least there's an episode of Waiting Room, so I can't wait for that. Um, but as 13 far as matches Shaft- still doesn't sound yeah, good, John. <laughs> I know, but it's like what I'm used to is so much more, so it's under two hours, so I'm happy about that. But as far as Shot in the Dark, I mean, it's going to be pretty uh, noteworthy show because John Moxley showed up in New Japan Strong, and that's a show that almost nothing ever happens. So I'm happy to see him there, and that's going to build up to an actual big show on the 26th of February with Moxley and Kenta. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. So listen to Shot in the Dark as, as the Dusty Rose Classic continues on there, as well as John Moxley invading New Japan. So... 15 minutes every time. I'll fill you in on that. The way you can cover everything in about 15 minutes. um, I I give John, I'm like, yeah, try and get, get it around like 15, 20. And you seem to come just short of 15 every week, which is fantastic with the amount of stuff you cover. Um, So really no excuses to listen to it. You can listen to it while making your breakfast um, or lunch because it will be dropping tomorrow at lunchtime. Uh, But John, yeah, I I brought you on today. Andrew's busy with his Brody King interview, which is on the post wrestling site and uh, his YouTube page, um, which I'll get the, it's Andrew Thompson interviews, I think. Let me just make sure that's, correct um but i drafted you in today because i know you watch um you watch impact every week uh yes andrew thompson interviews go subscribe if you haven't already um you watch impact every week so i thought it would be easy to bring you on as you kind of know the the background and you know everything going on now if we were to say kind of uh wwe new japan aw are kind of like top tier and then you've got kind of your ROHs, your MLWs, your impacts, and all of that. What, where is your inter- interest on impact? Kind of where, where is it? Where has it been before the AEW, uh, m- not merger, but you know, crossover? And where is your impact in interest in impact now? Yeah, I kind of had it like a little bit above MLW, maybe on standard with Ring of Honor, only because Ring of Honor came out strong with the Pure Title Tournament. They've been really good since they came back from from the from their hiatus. But um, obviously the 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 boost that AEW has provided to them definitely has more ears and eyes on the product. Um, but you know, it's never been like top. Even like before there was an AEW and there was a TNA, I've never been like the biggest fan of TNA. It's always been kind of like second rate. And obviously they made a lot of bad choices over the years. I kind of like downgraded this stature that they had um so yeah tna's always kind of been like the company that never goes away but every once in a while they'll hit you with some sort of angle or some sort of um debut or new talent there that'll get eyes talking um and the knockout division was what was really bringing people back in i think even before AEW came into the picture so people are always coming about the knockout division knockout division so impact is steadily always like there even though it's not the never going to be top the top show on tv it always kind of gives somebody something to talk about every once in a while yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they've always been, you, you look at kind of NXT over the last few years, it's almost been like a, a feeder system to them. Um, they've never been short on talent. Uh, as you said, You they always kind of get us back in with some big returns or whatever. And we even had some returns tonight. Um, and with this impact, uh, sorry, this AEW crossover, it's definitely, I feel, got more interest than it has over the last uh, two or three years. Um and we're we're about to go into tonight's impact, but how have you felt over the last few weeks, kind of since this uh, AEW merger? I know Andrew and I were really low on last week's show, but they've also had a few good ones in there as well. And I I know you write all the reports for post wrestling, and uh, you did the report on um, sorry, it wasn't 
It wasn't hard to kill. It was the one what, Genesis, was it? Yeah, Genesis, which was I thought was an yeah, excellent yeah. show. Oh yeah, they had the X Cop. Yeah, that was definitely one of the best shows I've seen from Impact recently. Yeah, so um, let's go into tonight's show, uh, Impact Wrestling, February second, twenty twenty one, and Matt Stryker on commentary kicks things off. Uh, as Tasha Steeles and Kira Hogan are making their way to the ring. And he basically says, Fire and Flavor Fest was not good. <laughs> kind you know, of echoing oh everyone's comments from last week. That was so bad. And, and, and like, I, I feel your pain. I haven't actually read out these, these reports and actually putting words into what you're seeing. And the worst part about it is I do the MLW reports as well. And they're also doing like their own version of the fire festival with the filthy Island with um Tom Lawler. hasn't gotten to that level yet, but you can see it's going to like, kind of like fall apart. Just like all the other fire festival parodies in wrestling go. There's like a third one in the last year. Um, so yeah, I, I hope that we don't have to see this fire and flavor fest ever again. It, it's hard. Like when something is, like written badly because last week's was such a mess there was so much talking over each other none of the jokes are landing to do something like like write a report on it you you message me and i've had the same thing in the past where you go what like how do i even sum that up what even happened there <laughs> you know whereas good writing is so streamlined that it, it's very easy to recap and that that tends to be when it comes to like doing a podcast or certainly in written format trying to sum up what happened last week it was just a disaster so i found it kind of funny matt striker just addressing it right off the top it was it was kind of kayfabe because it was meant to be a bit of a disaster but he's like guys i'm sorry fire and flavor fest was not good we go to our first match of the evening tasha steals with kira hogan taking on havoc with nevaeh in her corner uh tasha attacks the legs of havoc early to take her down um, Steels hits these three kind of thrust kicks for a two count. She applies a half Boston Crab, but Havoc manages to get to the ropes. Havoc starts to make her come back. She shrugs off Tasha, starts throwing her around. She misses a kick in the corner. And then as Steels goes for a cross body, Havoc catches her and hits this big spinning Uranagi for a two count. Uh, Havoc starts to run the ropes and Kira, who's on the outside, grabs her ankle as the ref is uh, checking on Steels. Uh, Havoc then grabs Kira by the throat and as Steels prepares to run up to Havoc from behind, on the other side of the ring, Nevaeh grabs her by the leg. This allows Havoc to hit the tombstone to pick up the win in four minutes, 34 seconds. Now, we've said, um, but both of us separately, how much we like the knockouts division on Impact. I will say over the last few weeks, it feels like Something funky's been in the water there in Nashville or something because it it hasn't quite been landing for me. Uh, what did you think of this opening match, John? Um, yeah, I mean, I echo your sentiments. Like the Knockouts division, who knows what's been going on with them? This is like a tad bit in the right direction, but it's still not to the caliber that we expected with the Knockouts division. Um, I feel like these referees and Impact are probably some of the worst. Like, how many times, like on the outside tonight, have they like attacked the people in the ring and the referees don't do anything. They don't eject them maybe once in a blue moon, but tonight, like the referees just didn't care. They let everything fly. Like there's no rules here. Um, I mean, I love Hogan. I love steals. So there's nothing wrong with them at all, but this match didn't really do that much for me. Um, I just, I, I'm, I'm intrigued on what steals like they don't want to, they're not going to tag team titles, right? Like who are they going to build to? Is it going to be a tag team match against Havoc and Nevaeh? I'm not really interested in that. Is them being the first, com first um, competitors for this title. I mean, we've seen that a few times already. Yeah. Like they, they already had their feud 
prior to this tournament even being announced. So to go back to that, it you just kind of feel that as good as this division is and how many people there are, they've seemed to gone back to only having two tag teams once again, which um, which is a problem. Uh, I'm with you, way too much interference, especially the match was under five minutes to to kind of fit everything in. You're kind of going to these interferences so often. The referees look so stupid. Um, I felt at times it looked like they were moving a little slowly. The match kind of looked in slow motion at times. I didn't quite buy um, that Steels had enough kind of uh, like aggression in her strikes to really be able to take someone down this, the size of Havoc. Um, this was an improvement on on the, like the last few weeks, but still, I something's something's kind of awry in the women's division there right now because they've certainly got the talent. Maybe if these two got kind of eight minutes or nine minutes instead of four, it it might have been a bit better, but. It wasn't bad by any means, but just didn't quite click for me. How do you feel about um, Havoc used the Tombstone Piledriver? Is it like everybody can use it now that Taker is gone? Like, <laughs> I think so. I mean, you you look at Japan and everyone's using it there. Um, and then we've had more than, like, obviously, you've got Kane as well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, who used it. I, I don't mind it too much. I think it looks cool, especially especially when it's women and men, you don't really equate it too much. I think someone the size of Havoc, she kind of needs something devastating like that. I I like the tombstone. Yeah, I'm okay with it. We get a recap of last week. So when Impact went off the air last week, Shamrock went crazy. Uh, So Shamrock interfered at the end of the match, taking out everyone. And after Impact went off the air, he continues to attack the official and gets him in an ankle lock. Sammy Callahan, his partner, even comes in and kind of slaps him on the chest and tells him it's over and to stop. And Shamrock smacks Callahan and says, I say when it's over, and then applies the ankle lock again to the ref. Uh, security then comes in and gets uh, also taken out by Shamrock. And Shamrock yells, this is my house and screams. What did you think of the decision to not show this last week and have this kind of off air? That really didn't make much sense to me because obviously the show is taped. You can edit it and include it in the show. And it's not like they said anything like, hey, go to our Twitter or go to our YouTube page and see what happened. There was really no way of knowing this unless you just happen to stumble on the Twitter page. It didn't really make any sense. And it wasn't like anything groundbreaking where it's like, you know, you had to stay tuned to see what happened. So it was a little weird for them to not show this last week. Yeah, NXT do this a lot. Um, because we tend to finish recording our podcast and then while like just as we finish, you'll post that like someone has done something after NXT or during a commercial break or whatever. But WWE are always quite good at just hitting you over the head with it. It's on all their socials. You you kind of see it right away. Um, Impact, this kind of went under the radar a bit. And looking over last week's show, there was definitely stuff that could have got a bit of a cut to make room for it. It was a big angle, so I was I was surprised they didn't show it. We go to Scott Demore's office where Sally Can- Callahan goes in, and Scott's not impressed with what Ken Shamrock's been doing, and he says that look, Callahan, basically you've been a piece of shit as well. You you've done a lot of fucked up stuff in Impact, but what Shamrock did went too far, and he's suspended. And uh, Callahan's like, yeah, well I was. I'd have fired him anyway. So good job, Scott. Um, bit of a, w- a weird story for me. You've had you had 
uh, Shamrock and Callahan feuding for so long and then finally got back together. And it it feels the break's done, but it doesn't feel like a proper break as they're still both definitely heels. I don't know if this is Shamrock just wanting a bit of a break and this was a way to write him off or whether this is all uh, completely storyline. Um, are you interested in this feud at all? Well, the, the weird part is a couple of weeks ago when Tony Khan showed up, Ken Shamrock put up a tweet, something along the lines of, it was great seeing you, Tony Khan. Um, I hope to work with you again in the future. So as soon as I saw this angle in my head, I'm like, are they going to put him on AW? Like, is this what's going to happen? Like, he's going to like show up and fight Kenny Omega on Dynamite? Like, who knows what's going to happen? But a little awkward to have Callahan just kind of like dismiss him as he wants nothing to do with him. Um, but yeah, I'm intrigued to see if this is going to be some sort of like official write-off for him or if he's going to kind of go over to AEW for a quick stint and just work with some guys over there just to be on TNT. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it's a little weird. I don't, you know, so many things have been done in, in uh, impact. And this is the thing that Scott, the wants to like suspend somebody over. Like <laughs> I yeah. think Sam Callahan has done a lot worse in the last month alone that Shamrock just attacks one referee and pushes down Sammy Callahan and gets indefinitely suspended. It didn't really make too much sense. The referee that gets attacked it. every single week. Brandon. I'm pretty yeah, sure he, he got attacked he, this <laughs> week as well. Yeah, he's he's the guy that takes all the bombs. I guess he's like the one train referee that's there to take all the damage. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get a bit silly for a second. So he tweeted to, sorry, Don Callis or uh, to Tony he Khan? He tweeted to, like, I don't think it was to him directly. He just kind of mentioned it. It was before, like, even Tony Khan was even, like, shown on TV. I think he, maybe he might have deleted the tweet, but it was something like, oh, it was good to see you on uh, on impact in the impact zone. I hope to work with you again. Something along those lines. So who would you have him uh, pair with in AEW if that were to happen? <laughs> I wouldn't mind seeing Ken Shamrock and Jericho kind of a feud. I'm pretty sure they had a... I don't know if they interacted in WWE. They might have right at, like right when Shamrock was leaving, but I feel like that's a feud that I wouldn't mind seeing. Just no, so that, that never happened. Them. I think Jericho came they in right, right after. Yeah, I think they just um, missed each other. Shamrock and Omega would be fun. Just, I don't know. Somebody, <laughs> just to see like Shamrock on Dynamite, I think would be a little bit uh, kind of like jarring, but I wouldn't mind seeing it. It's Ken Shamrock. Shamrock I mean, versus me anyone yeah. sounds ridiculous. Me, and I'm me personally, I, I want to I see Ken Shamrock in the fight pit. Like, that's, that's my ultimate oh, dream. Yeah. I have, oh, yeah. I have we, we need even that as a re- referee or something. Even as a referee, it would be great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Who, who would you like to see uh, Shamrock fight in AEW? Shamrock in AEW. Um, Oh, fucking Brian Cage. Just throw him Brian around. Brian Cage? Yeah, just Chris two Elliott meaty in men. The chat just... is, is saying Shamrock versus Eddie Kingston. I would, I sure. Would see yeah, why not? <laughs> um, yeah, a- anyone against Shamrock just sounds ridiculous. And uh, I would be a little bit intrigued. Uh, you know what else sounds ridiculous? Tommy Dreamer challenging for a world title at a pay-per-view in 2021. It's his birthday. Well, what better present birthday. would you want? Yeah. So, would you want? Wouldn't you want a world title shot on your birthday? <laughs> Absolutely, of course I would. Uh, Dreamer says that he gave his first world championship shot to a 55-year-old Terry Funk, uh, who was watching his back, and now it's come full circle as he's been watching Swan's back, and Swan is rewarding him with the shot. Swan says he's rewarding for all the times he had his back, and but says they've got this big tag team match tonight against moose and chris bay and asks dreamer to let him handle moose and bay himself because dreamer's almost 50 and he wants him to be fully ready and at kind of the top of his game for no surrender and tommy looks a bit kind of miffed by this and goes yeah but like i mean 
if you need me, tag me in. Like, I'll be there, right? Um, this, I don't know if they shot things kind of out of order or what, but the story they set up here did not play in the, into the main event at all. I don't know if you thought that or not. No, you're right. Like, I mean, the whole thing was Swan saying that he'll take up the match and Dreamer kind of like stand in the back and just kind of wait there. But yeah, the match didn't show any of that at all. It was just kind of yeah. like a regular tag team match. For sure. I mean, we'll, we'll get to it when we get to the main event. But yeah, this kind of felt to me with this promo, Swan, like very slightly leaning into a heel role. Um, cause Tommy's like, yeah, look, if you, if you need me, tag me in. And he's like, oh, I can go all night long. I don't get tired. I go all night long and doing his catchphrase and everything. But the way Tommy played it was like, huh, I'm kind of being kicked to the curb here. Um, yeah, we're supposed to feel bad for Dreamer. I mean, like you said, Swan was acting like an asshole really. And, and Dreamer kind of gave this look like, you know, I'm not that old. I can still, you know, I still have some fight in me. And he kind of had this, this look at the end, like, oh, we're supposed to feel bad for Dreamer because he's getting picked on because of his age. And I imagine that's maybe what they're going to do at the pay-per-view as well, kind of have Swan lean into a bit more of a heel role. And then once it's all done, I'm sure they'll do the respect thing and Swan will be right back to a, a fully squeaky clean baby face. Uh, ben Leitner in the Twitch chat says that Shamrock wrestled Jericho on SmackDown in 99 in a first blood match. Yeah, I had a feeling they had some sort of... It was like right when Shamrock was leaving. I had to be like right when Jericho came in, right Shamrock... Mark was kind of on his way out. But yeah, that's a feud. Like, let's do it. Let's do it again. Have to have a Mimosa Mayhem match. Why not? Yeah, <laughs> Mimosa Mayhem too. Shamrock and Jericho. Why not? Sounds good. Uh, we go backstage with the Good Brothers. Uh, they talk about their big six-man tag team match tomorrow on Dynamite's Beach Break. Uh, say that they can't wait to beat up John Moxley. Beat up John Moxley. Um, they say that there's also the tag team battle Royal and they might just screw over private party as well for fun. Uh, they talk some more trash about private party when James storm and Chris Sabin come in. Um, Sabin and storm says, what's not okay is how you want to kick my partner when he's down and treat him like a piece of garbage referring to Alex Shelley. And gallows just says, well, he lost. So if the shoe fits, um, Saban questions if they have the balls to face them and Gallo says that we already have the title so we don't need to worry about facing you and Storm says look we can either face each other next week in a title match or we can take it to the streets right now and fight Gallo says look we got a big match tomorrow we need a good night's sleep we'll address this next week and Anderson just kind of subtly goes we're not fighting in a parking lot which is obviously all the attacks so far from the Good Brothers have been in the parking lot. So quite funny there. Uh, as they walk off, Saban calls them ballless wonders. Ballless wonders. I, I, I don't like this tag team of Storm and Saban. It's so odd. Like Storm does all the talking and then Saban's kind of like in the corner, kind of like throwing his little jab and like, yeah, ballless wonders. Like if they just don't fit in because you have the Motor City Machine Guns, you have beer money, then you like try to get the best of both tag teams and form like this, this makeshift tag team it for me it doesn't work at all like i i like both of them individually but together they just don't do it for me yeah i think it's kind of trying to do that sort of tna originals team they're both known for being in big successful tag teams and maybe if you have like who would you pair sabin with instead uh kind of re to replace shelly because at least with storm you can't really compare him to shelly they're so different in styles Whereas you pick someone else, maybe it's like just 
Motor City Machine Guns light. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if if it wasn't for the fact that they're pushing him as a solo star, Trey Miguel would be perfect with Chris Saban. Um, even somebody like Ace Austin, even though he's a heel right now, like just his style would fit in what they're missing with Alex Shelley being out. But I feel like we're probably going to see Alex Shelley sooner than we think, I would hope. I know he kind of put out a statement out there on what's going on, but I know they're advertising him for um, Rebellion, which is in April. So he should be coming okay. back pretty soon, I would think. All right. Okay, that's good. We go to our next match of the evening. Madman Fulton taking on Josh Alexander. Uh, Alexander tries to apply a hold early and Fulton deadlifts him into a release vertical suplex, which I thought looked pretty impressive. Uh, Fulton starts beating down Alexander in the corner. Alexander comes back with a drop kick and manages to throw the big man. He then applies the ankle lock, but is kicked off. There's a choke slam from Fulton on the apron, but only a two count. They both start fighting on top of the turnbuckle and Alexander manages to slip out and hits a power bomb. And he follows up with the Tiger Driver 98 or as was identified as the J Driller. And <laughs> one, two, three, Josh Alexander pins Madman Fulton. Yeah, I'm sorry, but Josh Alexander by himself without Ethan Page just feels so lost. Like he's just missing something. He just doesn't click for me at all like i had nothing against Josh alexander but coming off of that great run with the north just seeing him try to do singles now just doesn't do anything for me i don't know if you feel the same way yeah i, I think it's a weird fit I, I i i'm happy that they're trying to as soon as page is gone they're trying to feature him and not have him just be someone who's lost they, they're making an effort to make him a uh, a single star i i question whether as a as a baby face is the right idea um he's changed his look slightly like his gear's slightly different but what well, andrew and i were saying this last week i think he needs a, a big change new music new gear um to really separate himself because he does just look like half of the north and where's his partner gone um, yeah i mean the look the look that he has now either he needs to be with a partner or he needs a manager like just feel something just feels missing like if he has somebody there to speak for him like a mouthpiece i think he'd be better off that way he just comes in as a killer and has this guy just talk do all the talking for him Maybe, yeah. Uh, I just, I, I like him. I like Josh Alexander as a wrestler and uh, I tend to think he puts on pretty good matches, but I'm with you. I Maybe if he was a heel, this would be working a little better for me, um, but it, it's still early days. This is what, three weeks yeah. of this singles run. So we'll see. I, I do like his work. So, uh, but obviously someone like Ethan Page is so kind of charismatic and great with the talking that you, you do feel he feels slightly bland just on his own. Um, not a bad match, though. I do think it's taken him quite a long time, but I think Madman Fulton is starting to show improvements and is working that big man style pretty well and can do some impressive things. And also the way Alexander was throwing him around, I thought was uh, pretty impressive as well. Yeah, actually, I like Fulton. He's the type of guy that, like, when he was in NXT, he really didn't get to show anything. But mm. I feel like this time in Impact, it's really developed him. And I wouldn't be surprised if in a year from now, WWE would just kind of take him back you know or just kind of hire him back because he's definitely improved on his, his time away yeah uh just again it was just a bit too short of a match i thought it was just getting going and then this clocked in what well, it was again about four or five minutes under five I think. minutes yeah, yeah i feel like that was that was like for most of the matches tonight i just feel like they were really short even though they were like, very quick two hours it just felt like yeah we didn't get much of any match even the longer matches were interrupted by like three minute commercial commercials. breaks yeah tonight. exactly Okay, Brian Myers comes out wearing an eye patch um, because he's he's been poked in the eyes the last couple of weeks. 
And he's wearing a new T-shirt, which has Brian Myers in the ECW style barbed wire print. And then underneath it says the most professional wrestler. This merch makes no sense to me. The whole, <laughs> the whole character of Brian Myers, this whole story of Brian Myers is him calling Eddie Edwards this backyard wrestler, this garbage wrestler. And then his T-shirt is a clear ripoff of ECW, which is a, was essentially kind of glorified backyard garbage wrestling, like in people's minds, you know, it's the hardcore thing. I don't get this shirt at all. I don't know if you even picked up on this, whether I'm being just petty, but... No, I, I didn't even look at the shirt because I honestly don't really have that much interest in Brian yeah. Myers. I feel like he I feel like he's he, he was given the reins coming back to Impact of kind of like writing his own story because he's never really had a story with the exception of what, being like winless for over a year in WWE. He's never had his actual storyline. So I feel like this is like him actually like saying, you know, I'm a most professional wrestler, even though the story itself doesn't make that much sense. It's yeah. something that he's like holding on to and trying to make. But yeah, and after you said that about ECW, that makes no sense at all, especially with him feuding with Eddie Edwards, a backyard wrestler. Like I'd expect some kind of sort of like amateur wrestling, like grappling looking t-shirt but he's gone for this hardcore shirt like he's an ecw guy <laughs> and then he's going around calling himself a professional wrestler and doesn't like garbage wrestling and barbed wire and all that it it's just a complete juxtaposition um so he comes out wearing this eye patch he says i'm the most professional wrestler and i'm about to face the most unprofessional wrestler and that's when eddie edwards just comes out uh, sorry, sorry, no. He goes on and says, Eddie Edwards used to be a great pro wrestler trained by Killer Kowalski, but Kowalski would be turning in his grave if he saw him as this garbage backyard wrestler. He then challenges um, Edwards to a match at no surrender, but says, unfortunately, I wouldn't be able to make the match. And he holds up a doctor's note saying he can't do it. That's when Eddie Edwards attacks him. And out of nowhere comes Hernandez, who attacks Eddie. And Myers says that at No Surrender instead, it's going to be Hernandez versus Edwards. And that's when Matt Cardona comes out for the save, going against his old tag team partner. So at the end, it's Cardona and Edwards standing tall as Hernandez and Myers um, walk up, off into the background. Um, this match sounds awful. I'm sorry. Yeah, this whole story. Uh, I, I, I forgot my uh, my money roll chart. Does Hernandez still have the money? Are we not talking about that anymore? Like, is that something no, else we're going to forget about? I think Johnny Swinger's got it right now. Okay, Johnny Swinger. I has Swinger, like, I, Swinger stole it off of Kira and Tasha. I, I want like an actual... Like, if anybody has seen WandaVision, if they've seen how Jimmy Woo had the little whiteboard, everything that has to do with WandaVision, I want to see that with the money roll and kind of show the Rhino and Hernandez arm wrestling and then the fanny pack and then fire and fest i want to see the entire tree history of the money roll and see exactly how it started and where it's ended up today because this is a, a resolution that needs to happen I, i'm being very sarcastic right now but yeah, i'm not that glad to see hernandez and i'm really not even happy to see the major brothers feuding with each other because it's like it doesn't make any sense these guys do a podcast every week and now they're like fighting it just it's so silly it's wrestling but <laughs> Yeah, I, unfortunately for me, it's just four people I have very little interest in. Um, I mean, I'm watching every week, so I, I hope they turn it around. I hope they do something to interest me. But yeah, as you said, it's it's we know these guys. They're, they're doing their podcast every week. I mean, I can suspend my disbelief if the story is good enough. But Hernandez, who's been for 
most of the last year or so just in kind of comedy backstage skits. Uh, now we we need to take him seriously, and he's aligned with Myers. Um, yeah, yeah they, and, this and, section didn't do one, a whole lot. And one thing I didn't understand was like right, right before Ed, Edwards came out, uh, Myers had like a doctor's note saying that he couldn't compete against Edwards, and Hernandez was going to take his place. But then later on, we find out we're going to get a tag team match, or at least it's been proposed. So that doesn't make any sense. If Myers couldn't have the singles match, why could he have the tag team match? Yeah, I don't know, something I, just doesn't fit. No, I assume Scott Demore's just like that's nah, bullshit this match gotcha. is happening i don't know yeah we go backstage to swingers palace where uh johnny swinger's still in his toga and people are playing i believe they're playing blackjack uh, yeah. johnny bravo's dealing and the house is winning all the time uh alicia edwards questions how can they never win and says that she feels like they're living in swingers world um Fala Bar says it feels like groundhog day oh how funny is that it is yeah. Today it's um, Groundhog's Day. Did did the Groundhog come out today or not? He did come out. I'm pretty sure he predicted. Uh, he had a shadow, so six more weeks of winter. Great, Can't fantastic. Wait. Just, did just you, make... did you catch? The, did you catch the the line about Johnny Swinger saying this is like Thanksgiving at Prince's house? I have no idea what happened at Prince's house on Thanksgiving, but I kind of want to know why. What's oh, so I'm wild. sure it was wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we go backstage to Edwards and Cardona. Uh, Cardona says he doesn't know Myers anymore. Uh, Eddie suggests that they have a tag team match at No Surrender, and Cardona pushes his new gear by saying he's always ready. Um, was yes. that ever his his phrase in WWE? No, I think he thing? started it right when he left WWE. He did the always, but of course he has the Z or Z at the end because, you know, can't forget that he used to be Zack Ryder. So you got to use those Zs in there somehow. But yeah, that's like one of his new lines and new catchphrases that he he came out with like a hundred different shirts after leaving WWE. And he has this one that says like always ready or I'm there. He had one for AEW and now he has like the same exact design, but now it says impact instead. So hey, he's making his money while he can, right? Right before he goes back to the WWE. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good for him, I guess. We go to Crazy Steve, who comes out with Rosemary, uh, part of Decay, and they're taking on Larry D with AC Romero. Now, this ties in uh, with this whole, whole who shot Johnny Bravo angle where it was revealed to have been Larry D, but it was under a spell cast by Rosemary, who sprayed Larry D with the ring rust in order to get him to shoot her fiance Johnny Bravo. Have I got that right? It's all over the place, this story. I don't even know. Wasn't Ty involved? Did she admit of it or something? I don't even know anymore. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Ty did it for Rosemary. Yes, so yes. Ty sprayed Larry D with the ring rust aftershave for Rosemary, but now Tyre's left, so we've got Crazy Steve feuding with Larry D. Got it. This is worse. I don't know. If, I don't know if you watched them growing up or, or your your mom did, but my mom used to watch like the soap operas and the telenovelas. This is so much worse than anything that she used to watch on TV. This is Impact's equivalent of Lana going through a table nine weeks in a row in order for Charlotte Flair to win the tag team titles, <laughs> doesn't it? It's Johnny Bravo gets shot to lead to a feud between Crazy Steve and Larry D. Awesome. So. Crazy Steve jumps Larry D immediately as soon as the bell goes. He starts hitting these cross-face arms across Steve. Uh, sorry, across Larry's face. AC Romero on the outside grabs Crazy Steve's ankle, allowing Larry D to take advantage. 
Romero then throws Steve against the barricade before rolling him back in. This is just another one of those times tonight where the referee is just daydreaming or looking at the wrong place uh, the whole time. Um, throughout the match, Crazy Steve bites Larry, which it seems to be you can keep on doing it as long as you break by the five count. Surely after like the third or fourth bite, it's just a DQ, no? Yeah. We get a belly-to-belly from Larry for a, for a one count. Uh, D'Lo Brown is talking on commentary about the deceptive strength from Larry D. I mean, this guy isn't small. I don't know why we're so surprised about the strength. He's hardly like a toothpick, you know? Yeah, he's um, a XXL, you know? He's strong. Yeah, like their, their name is Triple XL. Like you'd expect a bit of power from them. We get a kick to the jaw from Larry for a two count. Steve continues to bite the head again. Larry comes back with a few punches and a beal and then hits a big splash for a two count, followed by a short arm lariat. He goes for a second, but Steve bites the bicep and then he attempts a crossbody to the outside to take out AC Romero, but AC catches him. But the ref's looking, so he just puts him down. Steve then goes to the apron, tries to go for a springboard, but comes right into contact with a big right fist from Larry D, who picks up the win in four minutes. Just hearing you recap that, it sounds like you were like describing like my two uncles fighting after like dinner, a drunken brawl. It's like Larry beat up T- Steve, and Steve punched Larry, and Steve bit Larry. It's just like these names, like it's just so weird. Steve oh, and Larry. I, <laughs> I know it's I. I never know whether to abbreviate them to kind of crazy and D or Steve yeah. and Larry. Both don't sound good. And I don't like saying their full names either. Um, yeah. What did you, another quick match, this four minute match here. Um, it's definitely on the, on the lower card um, in impact, but this story has been going for a while. They, they seem to be putting a little bit of steam behind Steve and Rosemary back together. Um, I do enjoy Rosemary. I think she's kind of, like very committed to her part. And I do tend to enjoy her matches. Crazy Steve, not so much, but he he is kind of all in with this crazy character he's got. Um, the match may be slightly over-delivered for me. Um, not saying that it was anything great, but I kind of groaned when I saw these two come out. And I thought they'd put on an okay match, but the the amount of kind of cheating going on from both these guys was just a bit much, especially when we're only talking four minutes here. Yeah, I mean, the biting, like you said, was just ridiculous. Like, how many times can the referee allow it so he says, okay, you got to stop that, you're disqualified. I think they they really dropped the ball on this return to Larry D. Like, he just got out of jail. I don't know if you remember, and I'm pretty sure uh, Jordan Goodman will remember this, but Crush, the Hawaiian Crush, after he left WWE, he actually went to jail, like, in like, real life, and he had, like, this jail stint. And when he came back, he was totally like knew he had like these braids he had a tattoo on his forehead like he was part of disciples of apocalypse and nation of domination he was a totally new man they should have done this with larry d they should have had him come back total new character but he's just same old larry d you know yeah that's what i wanted like the the teardrop under the eye and just uh i, I agree he needed to come back like he's just been in prison for a little bit um but exactly. it was exactly yeah. the same yeah, he should have came through as a man who's seen some shit, and now he's here to just kind of wreak havoc. But no, he's just hanging out with AC Romero and being scared of Rosemary. Yeah, so after the match, Rosemary just stares them down, and it appears that Triple XL kind of back off, intimidated by Rosemary. We go backstage where G- Gia Miller is interviewing Trey Miguel, who's just come back to Impact. Um, and Gia Miller kind of questions, like, okay, you kind of went away for a bit, and now you're back. What brings you back to impact and he says throughout his career in impact 
actually throughout his life, he's always had these two crutches referring to um, Wentz and Dez, or sorry, Nash Carter and Wesley. Wesley. <laughs> um, he s- says, now it's time to reach the heights on my own and to prove myself I can do this on my own. That's when Sammy Callahan comes in and is like, huh, you're calling them crutches. They've only gone for a cup of coffee and you're already throwing them under the bus, which I kind of agree. It kind of felt like a bit of a heel line saying they're crutches. Um, yeah, I don't think it was nowhere. kind of how he meant it. Uh, I think he was just saying, look, I've been part of this three man and I've always had the help of my friends and now I want to prove it on my own. But the use of the word crutches kind of sounded a bit dickish to me. And I don't think that was necessarily the intent. Yeah, um, even like his demeanor, the way he just kind of said it, like these two crutches, and I kind of got rid of the crutches. Like, whoa, like, you know, he could have kind of said it in a little bit nicer way, but I don't blame Sammy at all. It sounded like he threw it among the bus. Yeah. So Callahan brings it up, and then he's like, hey, I don't even know if you're right for impact because look, at impact, we need people who want to work here. We need people with passion, which is obviously a callback to when uh, Triple H was questioned why Trey Miguel hadn't signed with the rest of the the rascals. He kind of said something along the lines of, we want people who are committed here and to who have passion, um, which wasn't directly at Trey Miguel, but reading between the lines, it was a very funny line from Paul Levesque there. Uh, sorry, Paul Levesque. And I quite liked Callahan bringing this up. Uh, I thought this was a great line from Sammy. This was wonderful. Like, as soon as he started saying, like, somebody not having a hard passion. I knew exactly where he was going with it. And I'm like, is he really going to quote Triple H on this one? Because when that came out, like, I think, um, Kramer go right away, like responded to that. Like, that's not the reason it's something to do with, like, I guess he had like a premature, uh, death or niece that he had to take care of. So that was like the main reason. So he kind of like didn't appreciate that response from Triple H, even though it wasn't targeted towards him directly. Okay. But the fact that Sammy Callahan brought it up here and is using it in the storyline. And then you see like Kramer go just kind of got up right in his face. Like he was upset. He was pissed. Yeah, he he kind of gets up, screams that he's got passion and storms off. And Sammy says, it's time to figure out who you are. Um, I quite like this direction. Um, It feels like Shamrock's just being dropped. I assume he's about to have some time off because Callahan, within the space of a show, just moving on from Shamrock to starting up something with Trey here. Um, I feel like it's, I don't know if we're going to get a feud or more of kind of a, a mentorship role from Callahan. What what would you prefer? Yeah, I mean, between this and the way he reacted with Shamrock earlier, it seemed like he's like a tweener role. Like he's not full on heel. Like the full on heel would just attack Trey McGill. Instead, he was trying to like talk him like into some sense. So that's like really uncharacteristic of um, Callahan. So I don't really see them having a feud right away, but I feel like it could be something where he's like trying to mentor him. And that right when Trey McGill has his guard down, that's when Sammy Callahan kind of attacks him. It's going to be one of those scenarios, I feel like. But it's a great like first feud for Trey Miguel for Leeds today because I feel like he needs to get out of this crutch, as he says, that he had with the Rascals and kind of make a name for himself. And he can definitely get it over with uh, with Sammy Callahan. I agree. I, I can see this being a kind of Taz-Darby-Allen dynamic where we have Sammy trying to kind of offer um trey advice and trying to be his mentor and trey doesn't want any part of it and that leads to the eventual feud um i like the idea of these two feuding with each other actually callahan keeps on being put in these brawly feuds that do nothing for me like shamrock and uh edwards 
and Tommy Dreamer at one point, I think. Uh, I'm kind of intrigued to see what... This is a bit of a styles clash here, these two, and I, I think they could actually bring the best out of each other. So I think this is a good direction, and uh, I like that they just seem to be like, okay, we're, we're moving on from Shamrock, this is it, and I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem with Callahan. Usually he's, he's paired up with guys that are like brawlers as well, so he's going to brawl. But Callahan, he can wrestle. I mean, I've seen him have actual technical skills. So if he's in there with somebody like Trey Miguel, we might see Miguel bring something out of Callahan that we haven't seen recently. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, I think this is a good direction. Jim Miller is then backstage with Triple XL, who says, did I sense uh, some hesitation when it came to Rosemary there? And Larry D goes, no. Did you see what I did to Steve? Triple XL fears nobody. As easy it w- as it would have been to have taken Rosemary out, we're gentlemen and will never hit a woman. And that's where Tanil and Caleb with a K come in. And Dashwood says that she doesn't mind hitting Rosemary. So Larry D says we're ready for decay. So I assume this is, uh, are we doing a, a Larry D and Rosemary against Crazy Steve? And sorry, Larry D and Tanil versus Rosemary and Crazy Steve? Or are we going to like a, Mix six man tag. They they proposed a six man. I think at one point even um Larry D was kind of like telling Decay to find a partner. So okay. they're definitely gonna get that. But the I have no idea what a partner is because the original DK it was Rosemary, Crazy Steve, and Abyss. And last I heard, Abyss is still in WWE. Yeah, he's um, got a so, big job in WWE. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna come over as be Abyss. So I really don't know. I'm pretty sure it's gonna be just probably some, just some random person that we have totally forgot about that we haven't seen on TV in months. But I don't expect it to be a major name at all. Nothing coming into your head right now? No, not necessarily. I got to kind of think about it, but nobody really connects um, with the decay besides Abyss to me. Maybe somebody in the chat can remind me of somebody else, but I can't think of anybody else but Abyss that was connected to them. Yeah, we'd love to know your theories. So if you're in the Twitch room right now, just just shout out some names you think it could be as we move on to the next segment, uh, which is Susan, uh, the artist formerly known as Sue Young and Susie, but Susan in her kind of like office Karen gear, I guess we're calling yeah. it. Taking on like these really bright yellow like sneakers. It's so like she did, yeah. To see that. Like, it I don't looked understand. really weird. Um, she's taking on Jordan Grace. Uh, beginning of the match, Susan is stalling by removing her glasses. Then she's removing her jacket, and as she's removing her jacket, Jordan Grace attacks her. She starts throwing her all around the place. Uh, Susan keeps on complaining to the referee that her. Uh, that her hair was pulled and tells the ref to keep his eyes on her, which allows Diana and Kimberly to attack Jordan Grace from behind on the outside. Diana then pulls Grace out the ring again to beat her up even more. Susan goes for a pin, but Jordan gets her hand on the ropes. There's then a bit of a brawl on the outside between Jazz and Diana Parazzo and Kimberly. And then Grace hits a couple of scoop slams followed by a Samoan driver for a two count. Uh, Diana and Kimber get involved again. And then we see this back fist from Jordan Grace followed by the Grace driver for the win in four minutes, 49 seconds. Yeah, this is probably the worst of the two knockout matches we had tonight. Um, Again, like the interference outside, like Diana and Kimberly getting involved and then Jazz kind of like distracting the referee somehow without even doing anything and just the ending kind of just 
I don't know, this match, the whole Susan character, just, it's not what I want to see with Knockout Division. I tell people all the time, the Knockout Division is great. Yeah. And then they see a match like this, and I'm kind of like, I have to explain myself, like, well, this is somebody who can wrestle, is too young, but then she becomes Susie, and now she's Susan, and it's just, uh, enough with this, just just let's see the wrestling. Why is Deanna Peraza not wrestling, you know? Like, why is it Susan and this, like, weird Karen character? And, again, under five minutes, and there was, I think there was interference four times in this match. Yeah, You're saying once per minute in this match, there's some interference that the ref isn't picking up on. It's And we've had that in two other matches tonight, also clocking in under five minutes. It's Sue Young and Jordan Grace are fantastic. Like, can we just let them, you know, do their thing? Um, it, it's so frustrating because you look at this division and I, I honestly do think talent-wise, they could rival NXT with their women's division. But For sure just the way they're booked like this both matches tonight didn't allow any of the women to really showcase what they're truly capable of uh john gray still hitting some crazy impressive looking moves but it's it's just wrapped up in all this bullshit with interference and susan and all of that it's it's quite depressing actually to watch after the match, Kimberly, Diona Parazzo, and Susan continue a beatdown on Jordan Grace. And that's when ODB returns for the save. And then she grabs her boobs. Are you familiar with ODB? I know you didn't see TNA, but have you ever seen her in action I, or her? Style? Yeah, I, I am familiar with ODB. Um, she was with the Briscoes for a bit, right? Yeah, she was the Briscoes. She was in a TNA staple from day one. She was the last Knockouts champion. It was actually her and Eric Young were the, the last Knockouts tag team champions before they uh, vacated those titles. But yeah, ODB is kind of like this character that just always pops up in TNA or Impact every couple of years or so. Are you happy to see her back? Um, I mean, it's something different. I feel like, you know, why not have another wrestler? I mean, she's kind of like Jazz, where it's like she's kind of like semi-retired, but not really. Um, You know, not the greatest wrestler in the world, but she has charisma you know she she definitely um you know can get a storyline going on but i'm not like the biggest fan of her like wrestling style do you think she actually offers much to the division no if anything she might kind of make some of these matches worse (laughs) with the the caliber they had there with jordan grace and diana parasa to kind of have them wrestling against somebody like odb doesn't not the direction i would go with with the knockouts right we go backstage where we see aew's private party and matt hardy um private party are kind of just moaning a bit about sort of the amount of money matt's taking but matt tries to motivate them he says look you're going to win both sets of titles you're going to win the impact titles at the pay-per-view and then tomorrow you're going to win the battle royal and you're going to challenge the young bucks and you're going to win those titles and i'm going to put a bounty on the titles and that's when private party stop them they're like oh maybe not a bounty not a bounty Matt's like, no, no, sorry, sorry, not a bounty. I'm talking about a bonus. Because when you're holding both titles, that means more and more money. That means big money, Matt, will get more money. And you see Private Party kind of looking a bit unsure, like, oh, is this guy using us? But Hardy goes, no, because that means you'll be making millions and millions. And you see Private Party and they're like, oh, that's cool. We'll be millionaires. That's pretty cool. And then Hardy says that they can become the second best tag team in <laughs> wrestling history by any means necessary. I assume referring to himself and Shannon Moore as the greatest tag team in wrestling <laughs> yeah, history. Yeah, of course. Who else would he be talking about? Um, but it, again, this kind of feels like it's maybe slightly 
out of line with what was happening on AEW last week. So um, yeah, I wonder if kind of tomorrow they can fix that a little bit because I mean th- I assume this is, was all in the can a while ago, but private party still playing the kind of. I don't know if we trust Matt Hardy or not and still not looking full heels. Whereas on AEW, I believe they are heels now. Uh, I guess we can learn a bit more tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I feel like they taped this and last week's segment way before their so-called heel turn on AEW. So it doesn't really make sense. Um, and then Isaiah Cassidy had, I don't know if you caught the line at the end. He says, anything is possible because anything rhymes with anything. Henny. Tennessee. Oh, and That's a little like private Henny. party line. Yeah. And this is the second week in a row where Matt Hardy talks about this bounty and then says, Oh, I'm sorry, I mean bonuses. You think there's anything behind that? Like, why would he keep bringing up bounty like instead of bonus? It's a little odd that something he kind of is throwing down our throats. Yeah. I mean I mean bounty is something you you kind of pay someone to like take out something, right? That's a bounty. Yeah. Like it's you've got a, a bounty weird, on like... your head. It's if I've got a bounty on your head, everyone's gonna be gunning for you, Sino. And I'll pay whoever does the job money, right? That's a bounty. Yeah, it's a little weird. I'm, I'm like the fact that he just kind of keeps bringing it up. I feel like there's something more behind that. Um, but like you said, it doesn't online at all what's going on in the AEW. So for all that we know, we shouldn't be paying attention to what's going on with these backstage promos if they're doing something totally different on AEW. But um, yeah. I guess we'll find out on Beach Blast. We go to a paid advertisement. Tony Khan and Tony Schiavone. Um, go ahead, Sino. Describe what these two guys look like here. First of all, I said beach blast and it's what beach break. There's so many like beach brawls. Like I couldn't even, I don't we, know. We know what you called. meant. <laughs> the beach show. Yeah. And then th- I have to admit this. I loved it was Tony Schiavone with like a shark on his head and like glasses on. And then I want to say a drunk Tony Khan. Like he had to be drunk, right? He was, he was definitely playing decisions. drunk. Yeah. Like he, he was saying how, when you're emotional, you make decisions and he's doing what he's doing crazy stuff. Now he's, Sending John Moxley to New Japan and this and that. I, I actually I like this Tony Khan. I want to see this Tony Khan on TV. So yeah, Shivani was wearing a shark hat and shark glasses, and they're both in kind of their like Hawaiian Bermuda shirt kind of things. Both drinking out of coconuts. So yeah. I imagine some rum in there, maybe some pina coladas. Yeah. Um, Tony Khan says this is the best three minutes of impact every week. He says people were offended by my comments last week. They say that I'm making fun of Impact out of spite and that I'm playing out my own fantasy league. And as you said, he's got a slight slur, like he's maybe a little bit drunk. He goes, I'm emotional. And when I'm emotional, I make crazy decisions. You think I would have let John Moxie go to New Japan to wrestle a year ago? Probably not. And he says, I'm an emotional shock, just like the one on your hat and glasses, Tony Schiavone. And then... Uh, that cues up Shivani to kind of run down all the matches tomorrow at beach break. We have uh, Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa. We've got the tag team battle Royal. We've got, um, I believe this is newly announced Matt Hardy and hangman versus Pentico and Luther. And we have the big six man main event, the good brothers and Kenny Omega versus John Moxley pack and Ray Phoenix. Um, they say that tomorrow night's, all the games are on hold. Tomorrow night, the Fantasy League is on a break, um, but I might still make some emotional decisions because I'm angry. And Beach Break is going to be great. Um, yeah, I'm back on form I'm, this week, I thought. 
Yeah, I'm a big fan of Tipsy Tony. I want to see Tipsy Tony make some crazy decisions. I want to see him bring in the boogeyman. I want him to send um, the Hardy the Hardy Boys. I want him to send the, the Young Bucks to MLW. Just do crazy stuff. Just do all this crazy stuff. And that would be an explanation. The whole time, Tony was tipsy. It's just going to be drunk Tony and negative one running AEW. And I, I'm kind of all for it. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm okay. Maybe that. that could be dark. Maybe dark can be just like, let's the get... crazy show? Yeah, let's get... TK drunk and booking this with a seven-year-old. Um, I want to see an angle where, where Hangman Page is down in the dumps again, and he's at the bar all drunk, and he just turns over, and he sees just a, a shoveled Tony Khan just drunk in the corner as well, and he's like, you want a title shot? You get a title shot, and just, just craziness. Just, yeah. Get Robert Tony. Stone in there as well. Why not? Just yeah, why not? Back. I mean, Robert Stone is pretty much a parody of Tony Khan anyway, I feel like. He is, Yeah. <laughs> Um, we go backstage where we have Jazz, Jordan Grace, and ODB. Jazz asks where she came from, and ODB says, oh, I was just in the back, and I saw you were in trouble, so I thought I would help. You know, just, just hanging out at this arena during a pandemic, a, just minding my a, own business. She has a food truck. That's her one thing. I think like something was going on. I guess she had problems with her food truck, and a bunch of wrestlers tipped in money to have her uh, keep her food truck, so she said that her food truck was parked outside. And right. she had some commo- there was some gotcha. commotion, and she came in and saved her friends. <laughs> all the way from outside you heard this commotion yeah, of course um so john grace asks if she's back and jazz says well hey a lot of us are coming back these days and then they all grab their tits yeah that's an odb thing to grab yes. your tits. Yeah, yeah she has the the handprint t-shirt right yeah yeah surprise it still is a thing in 2021 but yeah why not we go to Rohit Raju versus TJP. Now, this is a non-title match. However, obviously, the implication is if Rohit can pin TJP, he'll get a title shot down the line. Um, TJP applies an octopus early. Rohit goes for this sunset flip, but TJP counters it into one of his uh, pinning positions where his shins are kind of on the shoulders he's done this way smoother before it looked kind of awkward here uh but normally he does this pretty smoothly after the commercial break rohit is in control he drops an like a steve austin style elbow drop in the middle of the ring uh which i've not really seen him do it before he didn't quite do the middle fingers but definitely did a little bit of a shuffle before dropping the elbow yeah rohit then applies a kimura lock um, which TJP fights out of. He then hits a springboard to get back into it, followed by a top rope Rana, and then he follows up. This is TJP with a tornado DDT. He goes for the Mamba Splash, but Rohit moves, but TJP manages to counter midair and rolls through, but Rohit hits him with a Yakuza kick in the corner, followed by a cannonball. He then jumps off the top rope, but TJP gets his knees up, attempts uh, like the gts or the benadriller but um rohit manages to get out of the way and then tjp goes to the outside goes under the ring and rohit is like ah ref have a look 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 what's going on he'll come out this side he'll come out as manic he's done this before and that's when mahabali shira comes out from under the ring with tjp he slams him on the apron rolls him into the ring Rohit hits TJP with the running knee and picks up the win in 11 minutes, seven seconds. I believe you called this, did you not? 
Yeah, I had an idea that was going to be him because I know he's been wrestling like an explosion in a couple of dark matches. He's been signed to Impact for a while. He was with them way back. He got released. He went to NXT where they didn't even use him on TV, I think. Released him and he went right back to Impact. So I had a feeling that he was going to uh, pop up here. And he had some relation with Rohit Raju. So it only, only made sense. Even though I liked Andrew Thompson's um, pick as well, Kareem. I know they had a match on GCW this past weekend, and they're also like together on the indies. So maybe down the line he brings him in as well, and he has two big guys uh, on his you know, left and right. Um, what what do you think of this guy? You've seen some of his work before. He, I mean, last I saw, he was really green. He even okay. had like a comedy gimmick at one point where he did like little Mahabali shuffle. I know T and Eight Milton will definitely know what I'm talking about. It's really, it was something that was like memes back when he did it. Um, wrestling wise, he never really did it for me but a lot of time has passed since and he obviously trained in nxt so maybe he got a little bit more uh better while he was down there in florida um so yeah i mean i'm not expecting anything big but it gives something for you know it gives something new for raju which i think is something he needs i mean he's been screwed how many times now and yeah. fighting over this title i feel like having somebody in his corner will definitely liven him up a little bit yeah i agree and and the match was fine probably one of the better matches of the night uh i i think I like these two work together. I, I think they're pretty good. But again, we had a bit of the shenanigans. We didn't get too much of a match because the commercial break was in there. Uh, what did you make of the body of the match? Yeah, I mean, like, they went to commercial almost, like, right away when the match started. It was a little bit over 10 minutes, but it was definitely the my favorite match of the show. Like, these two, doesn't matter who they fight, I feel like Raju and TJP always put out a pretty uh, banger for a match. I agree. We go to a video package from Violent by Design where Eric Young asks Cousin Jake to join them. They say, we can remove the sickness and baptize you in the waters of change. I'm going to skip right to the next segment and we can kind of bundle our thoughts in one. We go to Cousin Jake backstage who says, I thought I had a family. And after all the things that have happened in the last year or so, this is by far the craziest. And next week, I'll give them my answer. Uh, do you think Cousin Jake's going to join Violent by Design, Sino? Uh, how many times have we seen this? Why family, sanity? Um, yeah. This is just like the same old thing. Like, we know it's going to end up with Jake teasing he's going to join. He's going to even go to the length of being there with him. And then what's going to happen? He's going to turn around and he's not Cousin Jake anymore. He's Jake something. And then it's just gonna, like the same old thing. Like, obviously, he's not going to join them. I don't think it would make any sense for him to. Um, but yeah, I wasn't too impressed with this. It's Eric Young saying Eric Young things again. Um, I like the stable, though. I like Violent by Design. I like the whole like concept of it. But just mm. whenever he talks, I tend to kind of tune out. Like, I wasn't really paying attention to what he says. I'm I'm with you. I feel there's... It, it's very Bray Wyatt. There's a lot of things being said, but not much being said at all. Um, yeah. It's just disguised with all this hocus-pocus language. Um, I do prefer this presentation, it being kind of, that they keep doing these vignettes in like a prison. I prefer that presentation of this rather than just screaming in a mic in the middle of the ring saying this is my world, which he's been doing a lot recently. I thought this did look a bit better and it was a bit more to the point. It didn't drag on too long. Um, it kind of just got right to the point in trying to recruit Jake. And yeah, I, Andrew and I have been saying we, we both see a lot in Cousin Jake and we do see a bit of a singles run for him. And if this is a way to get him to that level, that's great. I just hope it's not Ricochet's story with Retribution, you know, where he yeah. loses every week and then the yeah. story's dropped. That's probably where we're going to get though. <laughs> yeah, I, feel like I hope not because I, I do see, and I thought Jake sounded fine here. So I, I do see bigger things for Jake. I think he's capable of a lot more than he's been given so far. 
yeah, I mean, he says he's going to have an answer for him next week. So maybe we're not going to get this drawn out story. Maybe it's going to be like one and done. And then, then we get the next, uh, the next chapter of Jake. I have a feeling it's going to go on for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of next week, it's confirmed we're going to have ODB in her returning match taking on Kimber Lee. We'll have Kira Hogan taking on Nevaeh. The Good Brothers versus Sabin and Storm for the tag titles. And we have a contract signing between Tommy Dreamer and Rich Swan. And then also confirmed for No Surrender on February 13th, we have the Good Brothers taking on Private Party for the tag titles. Obviously, that'll be Sabin and Storm should they win the titles next week. And we have Rich Swan taking on Tommy Dreamer. Um, any of the matches in next week and No Surrender really kind of take your attention? Um, I mean, Good Brothers and Saban and Storm is kind of interesting just to see what happens there. I feel like we might get some sort of, depending on what happens on um, the AEW Beach show, like we might have some interference with Private Party. If they, you know, if they cause them the match, we might have Private Party come back and cause them the match, but maybe not lose the titles. So I can see some sort of like shenanigans going on with that. And then we're going to get our usual contract signing with Dreamer and Rich Swan. And after what happens in the main event, I feel like that might be a little interesting. Do you see uh, with Beach Break tomorrow, uh, do you see any impact stars in that battle royal? I want to say yes, but I feel like they've shown no hints at all of, with the exception of the Good Brothers, of any impact talent being in AEW. Um, I would love it, but I don't see any teams with the exception of Storm and Sabin being in it. And I feel like they just would look kind of weird. Like for anybody that doesn't watch Impact to see like two random TNA wrestlers team up together, it might be a little weird to see that. Mm. So I'm going to go with probably no. Um, the next time I could see somebody from Impact being in Dynamite would be in that um, that Women's Eliminator tournament they're having. I would love to see like a Diana Perrazzo in there or even like a Jordan Grace. What about uh, Good Brothers taking out Private Party tomorrow? And in Oh no, they've already got a match so they're not going to insert themselves in the match. But do you I see Good see Brothers, them. any kind of interaction them, yeah. between Private Party and them? Yeah, I can definitely see them either taking them out or doing some sort of thing after the match because they obviously have a match um, coming up with, with Impact. But then again, AEW doesn't really promote. Like Even when Kenny Omega was on um, Hard to Kill, they did zero promotion for the most part. So what's the incentive for AEW to even do anything like that? I don't. They don't really have to. Really. They choose not to. True. Yeah, very true. And that takes us to our main event of the evening, Moose and Chris Bay taking on Rich Swan and Tommy Dreamer. Um, Dreamer comes out just channeling Terry Funk here. He's wearing a, a Terry Funk-esque headband. He, yeah, he's he's channeling Terry Funk here for sure. And that's who he's playing, I guess, he's going into a, this match against Swan. Yeah, I mean, he definitely has that Terry Funk connection. But to me, he kind of reminded me of Johnny Lawrence a little bit from Cobra Kai. Yeah. Like this like, I, I can, washed up like, guy that. with his bandana on and he's just trying to reinvent himself. So the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, this is Cobra Kai all over again. I'd have more faith in Johnny Lawrence beating uh, Rich Swan though, than Tommy Dreamer, if yeah, I'm being that's, honest. That's for sure. <laughs> so this is where I go to my point earlier. We had a backstage segment where Rich Swan basically said he's going to, He's going to work the whole match himself and he's not going to tag in Tommy Dreamer. So the match starts with Tommy Dreamer taking on Chris Bay. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so they work for a bit and then you have Moose tagged in who starts dominating Dreamer. Um, and then Dreamer eventually manages to make the tag into Swan. There are these big European uppercuts to Swan from Moose. And then Bay gets tagged in. Um, Bay and Swan have a really nice sequence with each other, just both using their speed and athleticism to avoid each other's moves until Swan eventually drop kicks Bay and 
tags back in Dreamer. Didn't seem worn out, didn't seem reluctant doing it. He was just like, all right, Tommy, in you go. Stryker says that Dreamer is so beaten up that he picks his socks up with his toes because he can't bend down. Yeah, I, I caught that. I was. How does he then that. put the socks on his feet? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I was trying, I'm, like, as, I, as I heard that, I'm kind of thinking in my head, like, wait a minute, how does that make any sense? It's yeah. It's a weird thing it, to say, too. But. It didn't make much sense to me either. Okay, I'm glad you picked up on it. <laughs> um, Moose is on the apron and drops Swan's shoulder down on the rope, just drags it on the rope, which allows Bay to start attacking Rich Swan's shoulder. Uh, Moose then continues the attack on Swan. Swan manages to hit an Inzaguri to Bay before tag- tagging Tommy back in. Um, and that's where we learn that Tommy Dreamer takes two naps a day uh, to keep his energy so high. Um, yeah. I'm not even problem. working properly right now, and I still don't have time for two naps a day. So <laughs> I don't know what Tommy Dreamer's doing here. Uh, we then get a blind tag to Moose and a DDT from Tommy to Bay, but Bay isn't the legal man, so no pinfall. Swan gets tagged back in and goes to the top, but Dreamer's knocked into the ropes, causing. Um, Swan to fall, and then Moose lines Dreamer up for the spear, charges at him, but Dreamer dodges out of the way, allowing Moose to spear Swan and pick up the win in 11 minutes, 43 seconds. Yeah, Thoughts, it John? Was like, yeah, it was like your usual, you know, two guys fighting in a pay-per-view, but they have to team up first, and then somebody, something happens, and somebody gets out of the way, and his opponent, his uh, teammate gets hit. It was like, you know, tag team, fighting one-on-one um to your point of the match not making any sense i'm under the impression that tna or i'm sorry impact just tapes all these matches in bulk and then after like Tommy dreamer had to kind of remember like what happened and they go and start filming these backstage segments so i feel like it's one of those things where he probably forgot which match it was or what happened in the match when they filmed that segment backstage because it wasn't the only match where the backstage segments didn't really connect with the match itself so no, match, that, that was my main issue with it. The match was fine, but it just didn't tell the story that they were they told earlier in the show. Um, I thought Rich Swan and Chris Bay, I, I could watch them have a load more matches with each other. I thought they looked great against each other. Dreamer did his job well, kind of selling, being the underdog. But yeah, I, I kind of would have preferred to have seen the match they kind of set up earlier with a bit of um, tension maybe between that team uh, but overall, it, it wasn't a bad main event. Um, what did you think of the show tonight, John? Um, I mean, I feel like their main objective was to push this No Surrender show, and I feel like they did a really good job with that between the Tommy Dreamer um, the Tommy Dreamer match with Rich Swan, and all the other matches with uh, the Good Brothers and Private Party. They definitely like set those matches up as well. So if there was a lot of progression. Like There wasn't any matches that really like had no progression like every match had some sort of point to it you had the the major brothers fighting you had the violent by design set up with cousin jake so overall it was a pretty good show it just the matches just weren't really there like everything was pretty most part under five minutes and the matches that did go over 10 minutes they had to just, like the main event like right when the match started like literally right when tommy dreamer and chris bay locked up they went right to commercial and the commercial yeah. was like three four minutes like that, that's a big chunk of the match right there and then we come back and it kind of like goes to the finish that's like the one thing i don't really like um i have to give it up to them they have a they had a pretty good way of promoting rich swan and tommy dreamer at the same time reminding you that Rich Swan has this match coming up with Moose whenever that happens. So I like that they were able to kind of combine that with the No Surrender match as well. Um, but it was an okay show. I, I feel like Tony Khan being drunk, uh, drunk in a shark was probably the best part. I agree with you. I like the way they're building these two things because it it's almost 
it's almost like Swan has given Dreamer this title shot just to piss off Moose as well. So it, it does make sense this time when you're building to these two main events. Whereas sometimes when you got, like when we've seen in the past when NXT are trying to do a takeover and it's Survivor Series weekend, it, it gets a little messy. And I think they are juggling the two feuds pretty well. Um, I thought the pace of this week's show was really good. And I'm talking more about the backstage segments. I, I'm with you. I think they... They built all the stories they needed to build. They they kind of added an extra brick to that um, successfully. Nothing really dragged when it came to the backstage stuff. There wasn't any stupid comedy stuff that dragged on too long and kind of got me down. Um, I thought this show moved quickly. I just would have liked to have seen more wrestling because, as we said, the, the longest match was just over 11 minutes. And when you've got three, four minutes of that is commercial, you're not getting much body of work on the show unfortunately so as a wrestling show i thought the wrestling was kind of subpar tonight unfortunately um, yeah i mean to be honest their best wrestling and i'm you know, you've done the watch alongs as well as me doing the reports but whenever they have these impact plus like pay-per-view shows it's strictly wrestling there's no backstage segments there's no silliness going on in street wrestling the last one had the x cup tournament and that was my next question um they promised one impact plus show per month so do you feel like in march we're gonna get that moose and swan match and then by rebellion we can have the winner of that face against uh kenny omega oh okay yeah i think that makes a lot of sense um, it, it feels that this Impact Plus show more so than previous ones. They seem to be kind of treating it like a bit more of a bigger deal than usual. Yeah, they, te- they tend to do that when because with the last show, it was like literally a week away from Hard to Kill. So whenever it's paired up in the same month as a traditional pay-per-view, they don't really put that much emphasis behind it. But when it's like a month where there's no other show to build up to, I feel like it gets most of the push. Um, so hopefully, like we have obviously the private party on there. So we have some AEW involvement there. But I feel like this North Surrender show is actually going to be pretty good. Yeah, I- I'm I'm liking it so far. It's shaping up to be pretty pretty good um any final thoughts before we see if we've got any feedback this week um i just really hope that they get their shit together when it comes to the knockout division like just have them go out there and wrestle have them you know the way they had the x cup tournament on on those on the last pay-per-view do it for another impact plus special i know in the past they used to have um like the knockout i forgot what the name of the show was but it was like a knockouts oriented show before wwe even did it It was just a females wrestling so i would have maybe them maybe the same month as rebellion just do an all-female show like a tournament a one-night tournament just to show fans that this is a knockouts division that they have how much do you know how much tv they tape in one go and over how many days that is it's probably a lot i feel like by the looks of it they have to tape at least six to eight weeks worth of content like within a week i don't know how many days they film i'm guessing maybe two three days they film but i feel like they do tape a large chunk together because it would kind of explain why the matches are so short like if they're having to work a few times and why there's so much just nonsense going on to kind of avoid actually doing much wrestling maybe if you're you're recording that many weeks worth of shows uh, it's a shame. Like I, there are definitely advantages to, to kind of taping so much, and and I think you've seen with the quality of NXT how they used to be really good at the long term storytelling, and and I think Impact somewhat are. Um, you can see each week they kind of build their stories, and they're relatively logical, even if sometimes things are a bit out of sync, sync with their taping. Their actual storytelling feels logical, but I. Uh, I kind of feel they're maybe taping a bit too much in one go. Um, yeah. You, I think and then they can't learn. They can't really, like, 
you can't learn and act on something right away because your next set, set tapings aren't for another five weeks or whatever. And then they have to fill the show with all these backstage segments. I mean, there've been some weeks where literally there's like five to six backstage segments back to back. And it's just like, how many segments can you have without like any wrestling in between? It doesn't, doesn't yeah. make any sense to me, especially when you have short matches, like you have a five minute match, then you go to 15 minutes worth of backstage segments. It doesn't really make sense to me. Um, but I was with you. I, I thought the kind of, uh, at least they moved things forward. It, it was an enjoyable episode. It was an easy enough watch. Nothing made me yeah. too angry. Um, just need their refs to sort their shit out and you know let's just have a bit more wrestling hey uh, any 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 week after the fire and fire and flavor festival is is oh, a, is a upgrade for me so i'm not going to complain too much anything's better than that um you gave you the listeners gave this show a 5.8 uh for this week's show so just a pass and we go to our up next rumble winner chris elliot who says tonight's show was a bit better than last week's show, but given the fire and flavor segment last week, that's not a tough job. It was a solid show with the Alexander Fulton match, the TJP Rohit match and the tag match uh, tag main event, all having a decent showing. The return of ODB was interesting. And in the backstage segment afterwards, they seem to be hinting at more returns were to come. Who would you guys like to see back in impact to help build up the younger talent? This hmm. might be a better question for you because you have more of an idea of kind of who used to be there, but who are some realistic expectations of yeah, I mean, maybe problem- one one guy, one girl who could come in? Yeah, I mean, the problem is most of the people that I think would help them out are tied up. Like you're not going to get Kazarian or AJ Styles or Christopher Daniels back because they're no. all tied up. I'm trying to think of somebody else who might be out there as a free agent. Um, I mean, they had somebody like a Jerry Lynn there, right? I mean, he's, I know he's working with AEW as well, but I feel like he's kind of connected with Impact. If they, if this work relationship actually stays around, why not send somebody back like a Christopher Daniels back? You have the storyline going on with SCU. If they lose a match, they have to break up. So have them break up and send Daniels back to Impact. Have that be his punishment, you know, and make it like a storyline, make it like, you know, he couldn't cut it for AEW, he couldn't cut it for SCU. Send them back to Impact, and then that's the explanation of Daniels kind of being back in the locker room to kind of motivate the Impact to what they used to be and have make it like a storyline, make it like Daniels kind of gathers up the troops and Impact to go back to their golden days. I kind of like that. Yeah, being like, look, stop letting these guys just shit on us every week. <laughs> Let's fight back. Come on, need the old TNA. Yeah, because realistically, somebody like a Rob Van Dam or who's out there, like a Ryback, like they're what are they going to do to the Impact locker room? They're if anything, they're probably going to make it worse. They're going to come in there and kind of like want to shine on them. So you need somebody who has been there before, somebody who who's gone through like the tough times of TNA and Impact. Yeah, off the top of my head, I can't think of anyone who isn't under contract who isn't you know trouble. <laughs> you know, a good name, honestly, if they can get him, I doubt this is a far fetch, but a Chris Hero. He would be amazing in impact. He'd be great, but they—he's not been with them before, has he? No, he hasn't. But I feel like they could have him and even his. Um, she's escaping my name. Uh, Rachel Ellering. They could bring both of them in as a tandem, and I mean, they're both. Th- great that additions. would definitely add some depth to the show. I just feel by the way they were talking, it sounds like we'll get more people that used to be in TNA, like a Jazz or like a um, ODB. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that is this week's Deep Impact. Uh, thank you, John. Uh, I'll let you go because I know you've got to watch all four hours of Dark um, for yes, Shot in the Dark tomorrow. But give me all your plugs before you go. 
Yeah, like you said, Shine on Dark. It's a pretty big episode this week. We'll be recapping John Moxley's surprise appearance on New Japan Pro Wrestling Strong. We have a Dusty Rhodes women's match on 205 Live. Whatever happens on the waiting room, I know Ricky Starks was on there tonight on AEW Dark. Uh, NXT UK was pretty, uh, you know, some stuff happened on there as well, so I'll be covering that. Uh, so, yeah, Wednesday morning, check that out. And also, um, this weekend, check me out on Rewind Division with Wade Sting and WH Park. Uh, they asked me to help come in and talk about Episode 5. So, I'll be talking it on that as well as on Friday with Mike Hogan on the other guys on this very channel, twitch.tv slash podcast. Well, thank you, John, for everything you do. You help us out so much more than I think the listeners maybe realize. Um, so, thank you over the last year for everything you do for us. Uh, make sure you check out Shot in the Dark tomorrow. I'll be back tomorrow night with Braden Harrington at 10.15 Eastern time on twitch.tv slash podcast with Up Next, or you can listen to it wherever you find your podcasts. Then we'll be back on Thursday at 1 p.m. on Twitch and also available in your podcast feed with BD Elite, where we'll be going through this week's AEW Beach Break. And then we have so many shows coming up on the Patreon. It's February. We've got a brand new schedule. We're looking at Robin Hood Men in Tights this week on Up Yours, a film I haven't seen since I was a kid. I remember getting that movie so many times from Blockbusters. So very much looking forward to revisiting that with our world champion, John Taylor. We have another episode of Was Next, where we're looking at the February 13th, 2013 episode of NXT featuring Summer Rae's debut match and the final of the inaugural Tag Team Championship Tournament in NXT. So many more shows to come this month. We're going to get all lovey-dovey very soon for Valentine's Day with St. Valentine's Day Massacre 1999 and looking at top five moments of love in wrestling. This is all for just $5. Patreon.com slash up next. But we'll see you very soon, guys. Thank you once again, John. Thank you, everyone in the Twitch room. Thank you, all of you listening in your ear pods right now. Take care. Be safe. Ahoy! You're a holiday powerhouse. You host the dinners, shovel neighbors, sidewalks, and make everything from scratch. You definitely don't need help making the holidays happen. But Dunkin's Holiday Blend Coffee? A warming medium roast complete with sweet notes of dried fruit and molasses. Or a cranberry orange muffin made with real cranberries just might convince you? A little help never hurt. Especially the hot caffeinated kind. America runs on Dunkin'. Present participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Whether it's Kroger Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Kroger has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Kroger, fresh for everyone.